Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast, the show that helps swimmers and triathletes love the water, become a better swimmer, and live a better life. Here's your host, Brenton Ford. Thanks for joining me on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My name is Brenton Ford. Today's guest is Jeff Grace. He's a yoga teacher in Vancouver, Canada. And when I spoke with Jeff, I was thinking, okay, what do we chat about here? Yoga is great for flexibility and mobility, but I actually learned a lot from speaking with Jeff and he's really big into the swimming specific yoga and he's developed a, a program to help swimmers to improve their swimming through yoga. And it, it comes down to a lot more than just your mobility and flexibility. Some of the things that we spoke about was the increase or the improvement of awareness of your body through yoga. And I think this is a really big thing for people who aren't doing any dry land training or exercises. There's only sort of so much you can develop from being in the water. If you're not doing anything on the land, you're missing out on some of that body awareness that, that you can have through um, doing something separate to swimming. So we, we look into that. We also look at how some specific movements in yoga can help you with the biomechanics of swimming, uh, how you can reduce or prevent injuries uh, through it, and how you can adapt to the physiological demands that swimming requires through yoga. And, uh, and Jeff's worked with a, a number of Olympians as well, and uh, he's got a really good insight into improving your swimming with the assistance of yoga. So Jeff's also got some great videos online that you can check out at swimmingspecificyoga.com, and we'll link to that on our website at effortlesswimming.com. So swimmingspecificyoga.com. If you'd like to get some very simple routines that you can go through, either before your training, uh, afterwards, or just completely separately, check out his website there. It's uh, a very easy way to start to incorporate yoga into your uh, normal training routine. Here we go. To go for. Where do you come across? Um, How do you find me? I just found it on, I'm just trying to think about what my Android actual app for podcasts is. Um, I want to say it's Pod Attic. And just look for some swimming websites, was, or not swimming websites, but swimming podcasts. And just I'm a little bit of a podcast addict. So it was uh, obviously swimming's uh, a big part of, of my life. And uh, that's how I came across it and saw, you know, one of the first things that drew me to it was I'm very good friends with Garrett. And oh, okay. uh, nice. we did some work together when he was with Flow Swimming. And, and we've been friends ever since. So listen to his stuff with Chris Ritter there that you had on just talking about kind of the higher intensity, lower volume training. And so that's kind of how I got first introduced to you. Yeah, cool. Talking about yoga and swimming, why do you feel like swimmers should be doing yoga? What sort of benefits do you see in the, the guys and the girls that you work with? I think there's incredible benefit in many areas. I mean, I would say first off, when you look at it, the body awareness component is huge. Looking at just the development of spatial awareness and just learning the spatial awareness to be able to manipulate the body. And then I believe almost everything you do on the mat, as long as it's, you know, focused on being able to have that transferability in the water absolutely is. And I think that a lot of the coaches have seen that that body awareness has really enhanced the ability of swimmers to do technical changes. And so I think the body awareness is a huge aspect. And then, of course, when you go to strength and strength and mobility, I think that 
one of the things that when I'm working specifically with swimmers that we're really focused on especially is shoulder stability, really developing some scapular awareness and control, and then being able to connect that to core strength as well. And when you look at those aspects, I mean, that is functional strength. And then that also brings right in the um, injury prevention aspect of it. I know that especially with the age group swimmers, especially when you're looking at a, at a higher volume of athletes doing the uh, programs that the coaches have found that there's a huge amount of benefit when it comes to just not seeing the kind of typical injuries or the amount of injuries that they had seen in the past. And so that's been an improvement. I think when you look at mobility, the other thing that goes right back to that strength and stability aspect, because I think one of the things when you look at, of course, everything we're doing in swimming, applying force at different ranges and whatnot, when you look at developing mobility, especially with what I'm doing yoga-wise, and you connect that to the core strength and you connect that to the stability, you're allowing the athlete to gain a better range, but then be able to apply force and power once they gain that range rather than just improving their range of motion and then maybe not being able to apply power or force once they gain that new range. And then the final aspect, and done this with a lot of uh, the age group athletes that I work with, is just really working on the mental side of things. And I guess I shouldn't just say with the age group athletes I work with, but also with the lead athlete, we really do hit on the mindfulness aspect and not in a, in a spiritual sense by any means, but just really being able to have your focus in the present and being able to just let go of the other things that may be, you know, circling around in, in our minds. And one of the coolest things was one of the age group athletes that I've worked with, I think she's about 13 years old now, and she came to me at the end of one of the yoga classes and just said, Jeff, you know how I'm really getting nervous about doing a 200 fly. That's my best event, but I'm continually getting anxiety before my races. How can I use this to help me with that? And we really talked about applying it. And I know she really found that to help. So you've got that mindfulness aspect. So I guess just I, I went through a whole bunch of things. <laughs> I think that there's a huge amount that swimmers can get out of it. So many good points there. And you've I was already sold on yoga before, you know, before we um, <laughs> spoke. You know, Pilates yoga, I think it's just the correlation between two of those things that and swimming it just it can make such a difference and i've uh, i've experienced that personally but uh, i love each of those points you brought up and so the first one body awareness i work with so many different people in in the clinics that we do and the swimmers who make the well, number one the fastest improvements but those that i see probably progressing the fastest are the ones who have got the best awareness of of what their body's doing and one of the most common things that i i tend to see is when someone needs to make a fairly radical change to their stroke uh, or just 
the placement of their hands or their head position, whatever it is, they really need to exaggerate that change to actually make a difference. So if, if you say, okay, uh, I want you to keep your hands a little bit wider when you're extending out in front. And if they try and do just that a little bit, nothing will change. They really need to exaggerate it to actually, you know, move it five, 10 centimeters out wider. So that just awareness on the land is one thing, but then once you get in the water, it's even sort of harder to, to have that awareness because you've got so much going on around you. So I think that development of body awareness is so important. And they sort of talk about that a lot with some of the studies these days that kids who specialize too early on, they don't quite get that well-rounded development and an awareness of their body. So if, if they're just doing swimming from six years of age onwards and they're not doing anything land-based, whether it's yoga, whether they're playing soccer or netball or those other sports and getting that kind of development, they often don't quite excel once they get to 15 16 17 and onwards so i think that's such a such a good point and we've started doing a lot of the sort of mobility and strengthening exercises at our how week camp with a training camp that we run in thailand every year and we started doing that last year and, and the swimmers who came along there doing that over the course of just a week and those guys who weren't doing that previously i saw such a, a change in the way that they are able to i guess manipulate their body in the water but just have that awareness of what they should be feeling where they're actually placed in the water and they're able to make those changes a lot easier so i, I really love that point it's one I, I never really thought about when it comes to doing yoga but i think super important and then the other one was just was mobility that you mentioned and you know being able to apply pressure with more range you watch elite swimmers and elite triathletes who often have that sort of range and, and mobility they're just it really stands out and and one of the things that we like to do is, is test people's mobility in a few different areas and people even kids like we have 10 year old kids who come along and they are really, really tight. They've got very bad, very poor upper thoracic mobility. And these guys, you know, they, should, they shouldn't, not at 10 years of age, but it's just from, I think, sitting down so much and watching videos and, and everything. And so I think just getting people to move properly, it's such a big one for swimming. So each of those things, they think they're just so important. You had me laughing on uh, on this end, and there's a couple points from exactly what you're talking about. Why I was laughing was talking about a, the over exaggeration with the pull. I mean, you know, one of the things that I talk about when introducing the concept of body awareness, especially with the age groupers, but I do with the masters athletes that I've been working with as well is the biggest example I use is that crossover, right? And when you look at body awareness, how many athletes, you know, I know uh, when I coach, I can't even tell you how many athletes there is this situation. When you're coaching them and they're doing freestyle and you're like, okay, you're crossing over. So what we need to do is have that arm right in line with the shoulder to be able to stop that. And they go and they think they've corrected it. And you're like, okay, no, you're still crossing over. And yep. they're like, no, no, I'm not. And then you take the video camera out and they're like, oh, wow, <laughs> totally. I am, right? And so that's one of the examples that you know I use with, uh, with the athletes when talking about how we can apply when you get really knowledgeable about how to move your body, how that can then take that into the water and one of the things too that you're talking about with the younger kids you know when i coached and especially coach age group athletes always found the kids that came from a gymnastics background wow that was the learning curve with athletes who did that was phenomenal because of that body awareness aspect 
And I think one of the things that's so great about yoga that I really bring into every single session I do with with athletes is going through body scans is one of the things. And then another thing is whenever we're going from one side to the other, or when we come back to a pose at different points, it's okay. Let's bring your focus and explore how the sides feel different in the body and then explore after you've done different poses, different sequences, different exercises, whatever you want to call what you're doing and coming back to a different pose. Go through that body scan again and notice how your body has responded. So you're just continually learning how to get that feedback from the body, which exactly like both of us have been saying, you can take that right back into the water. Absolutely. And my niece actually just started doing gymnastics, I think it was last week. And like she's only young, she's probably not even two years of age yet, but just the very basic stuff. They, it's, it's mostly games and things like that. But I thought, geez, it's such a gymnastics should be something that they teach in school because the ability to move your body and have that kind of awareness and, and strength and flexibility, that carries on through for the rest of your life. I think it's that sort of awareness will help in any sport, whether it's swimming, whether it's football. So I really um, can really just see the importance of it. And particularly with swimming, like we, for the, the swimmers who come to us and they're in that sort of more, not elite range, but just even top 10, top 20% for their age group in, in triathlon or swimming, it's often just these quite minor changes they're looking to make. So talking about, let's say, move your hand placement one or two centimeters, very subtle changes. And one of the big things that I... Uh, I often try and get people to do is basically from the point where they their hand enters the water in freestyle to the point where they extend out in front and then they're about halfway through the pool. I like them to try and have a, an elevated wrist. So basically the hand should be angled just slightly down from forearm. So that way yep. you, you can hold, you've got this big paddle to work with. As soon as you let that hand come back from the, the forearm or back from the wrist, you lose half your paddle and, and you lose a lot of feel for the water and i see that takes a lot of time for people to get the feel for because they're natural whether it's habits or just training those changing the, the neural pathways to hold that position they just can take a while to get used to that change so yeah that's why i see the the body awareness is, is so important and like i've done i think yoga classes and pilates classes in front of a mirror and even just how you feel something is is often very different than how it actually looks so having that sort of feedback from either a teacher a coach or the mirror is really helpful uh, i mean absolutely it's like if you're swimming swimming on your own and you don't have a coach right and you might be feeling certain things but you you really have no idea one of the things that i say to you say say to people that i work with now in yoga it's funny how much i coach full-time for basically close to 20 years and how much of my coaching, just even the exact things that I used to say to athletes that come into the yoga classes. And one of them is when wrong feels right, right feels wrong. When wrong and feels right, right feels wrong. Yes, yes, spot on. <laughs> I had to get my head yeah. around that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. The first time you hear it, it's like, uh, okay, yeah. But yeah, that's, and that's the biggest thing because it, it really challenges your brain then. Right. And when you look at it, it's when you can gather in that feedback on your mat and when you're, you know, and this is one of the things that 
I really do when crafting yoga for swimmers is you look at those points that they're going to get themselves into in the water and you have them doing a lot of those same things, but just in different angles or in different positioning. And obviously you're having to work against gravity and not buoyancy, right? So you're still using a lot of that same engagement, a lot of the same neural pathways, but it's challenging it in an unfamiliar environment. So you have to learn to read your body with those engagements even more. So I think that's one of the beauties of yoga and how you can relate it right back to the water. So let's talk swimming specific yoga because or sports specific yoga because I know you work with age group athletes, you've worked with elite swimmers as well, with probably more specific yoga than than other the sort of other specialties out there. What are some of those differences from what you do compared to just whether it's Bikram or I don't know the other kinds of yoga, so I'll just pretend like I do. <laughs> but uh, how's 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 sports specific yoga different? Well, you know, one of the one of the things that I've really done when it comes to my own education in the field of yoga is that I've done a lot of training and studying in various different styles. So it's funny when I did a 200-hour training, which did cover different styles of hatha, vinyasa, yin, and restorative, and then I did advanced training in becoming a yoga therapist, which is looking at how do you craft a yoga practice to help someone that has different challenges in their wellness and in their health. And so one of the things that I've really learned, which was one of the goals of my education was, how can I take all these different elements and be able to apply them in different ways? So when you look at yoga for swimming specifically, I mean, at any sport and the analysis, and then I'll bring in swimming specifically, but you know, you need to look at the specific biomechanics that are used in the sport that you're targeting. You need to look at the physiological aspects. You need to look at some of the psychological aspects. And then you also, which is, and, and I think this is the real key, is you have to understand the periodization of an athlete's training program. Because you can be doing what you think is right for the athlete, but if it's not integrated into what they're doing, what their coach has them doing, and it's not complementing their main training program, you know, what are you doing, right? If you're working against something, then, then you're giving no benefit and could be, you know, taking away from. So you've got to have that understanding and that piece to it to bring it all together. And when you look at, you know, yoga for swimming specifically, one of the uh, one of the ways that I explain it, especially to people who may not have a great understanding of sport, is I'll take something where I teach a yoga for runners class as well. And when I look at yoga for running versus yoga for swimming, when you come to a yoga for runners class, arms are not going to be involved very much. We do a little bit of cross-body connection work because obviously you do have to move the arms and legs in the specific patterns for for efficiency and have that ability to have the cross-body connection. But you know, there is not a lot that I'm going to bring in upper body wise, I'm focusing on the lower body and a lot of the lower body mechanics. 
And when we then take that to swimming, that's obviously going to be very different. One of the biggest things, as I brought up earlier, that is so important is that scapular awareness and understanding that control and that stability and being able to gain mobility and also apply force at greater ranges of motion while keeping stability and not having that shoulder joint vulnerable, which we obviously know as coaches, as swimmers, anyone who's doing that type of training that, you know, when you do have those vulnerabilities, you know, shoulder injuries can be prevalent. And so, you know, that's one of the big areas swimming wise. Another area that you look at is one that I talked about just slightly in that runner's example, but is much, much more applicable. Therefore, we use it, you know, a lot more emphasis is that cross body connection, and really focusing on learning how to feel from, you know, the furthest extension of one arm to the opposite leg and that connection and control right through the core of the body. And one of, one of the great people that I actually learned that from is one of your fellow countrymen is a guy by the name Tom Barton. And he works with St. Peter's Western and works with Michael Bowles guys. And down there, not last Christmas, but the Christmas before. And got to spend some time with him and also did a session um, along with Mitch Larkin and, and Maddie Wilson. And that was one of the things Tom really stressed with those guys, obviously, as backstroke specialists, they're going to need that cross-body connection. And that's something those athletes really stress to me when I talk to them specifically about the yoga. And then when looking at things, once again, is is going back to, so not only the biomechanics, I, and I guess I spoke to a little bit about this when we talked about, you know, that scapular control and awareness is the injury prevention. And when you look at building a program for specifically swimmers, comparative, let's go to the comparison again of runners, obviously there's going to be different areas of vulnerability and different areas that could possibly be weak. And you need to focus on those specific areas with the different sports to be able to have that injury prevention part of it actually applicable and effective. And then the other aspect is, well, going back, not the other aspect, but going back to that periodization aspect and looking at how you do things So and the timing. So one of the, I've been working with the National Training Center athletes here at UBC. And one of the sessions we'll do is after their Wednesday morning practice. And one of the sessions we do is before their Saturday morning practice. So the session we do after their Wednesday morning practice is all recovery based. So there's very little time spent on any real strong engagement, definitely not much time spent at all on strength development, but really looking at how do we enhance that recovery so that, you know, they're going to be able to return to practices and be able to basically revive themselves in the middle of their week and benefit from that aspect of it. Whereas when we look at the Saturday morning, we don't want to be doing stuff where we hold a little longer, which we'll do after the Wednesday to create more release. 
we want to have mobility, but we want to be able to really make sure they're engaging so that when they go in the water, they're able to apply that force. And what they're doing is going directly to benefit what they're about to do in the water. Whereas, you know, if you don't have that real sense of timing, or one of the things that especially coming from my coaching background, and working with different strength and conditioning people, I always wanted to make sure the communication was there. So you know, before almost every session, if not before every session, I talk to each one of the coaches and just say, where's our emphasis today? Where do you want me to put it? You know, and especially age group guys wise, sometimes it'll be like, okay, I want you to hit them hard. I want strength today and I want them working their core. And then other days when we come to taper time, yeah, it's going to be all recovery based stuff. And some of the things that we've even done with some of the age group guys that's been neat is we've used some of our time at the end during our, you know, really strong, but coming into our relaxation points in our Shavasana at the end of a practice, we, we started to bring in some visualization and bringing in visualization in the way of as you come up to your race. So not necessarily in the race, because once again, I want to leave that aspect to their coaches. And of course, I talked to all their coaches about this visualization before, but we talked about how you approach and what happens up until that point that you get whistled on the blocks. And what are you going to do before your race to allow yourself to become focused, to become mindful, and really allow that mindfulness aspect to be used to be able to visualize to get them towards their peak performance. And how long are these sessions with that you're doing with the guys? Is it 30 minutes? Is it an hour? Does it change whether you're doing it before or after? It changes with the different groups and it's kind of all over the place really. And once again, that's dependent on where the coaches are at and what they wish for their athletes to do. And with the National Training Center guys, we go 50 minutes with one of the age group teams that I work with. When we do it beforehand, we're 30 minutes and it's like I said, a lot more dynamic and active. When we do it on a Saturday morning after their practice, it's more 45 minutes where it is more recovery-based. And then there are some uh, groups I work with that we do do an hour as well. And how often do you see people needing, ideally, doing a yoga workout each week? How many times should someone really do it to get the benefit while not impacting their time too much if they've got eight, nine swimming workouts um, throughout the week? Like, I mean, for me, you've got to swim three times a week to really see any sort of improvement or difference and sort of four or five is ideal, if not a few more. But what would you see if a swimmer doing yoga, would it be one session, two, three? I would say an ideal would be, or maybe not a good amount would be doing if you can get in your 45 minutes twice a week. Now, one of the things that I thought was great, once again, that Tom Barton really used and both Mitch and Maddie talked to me about is that they do their sessions twice a week, but then they have like 10 to 20 minutes of different things that they've talked to Tom about to do that they can do each day. And they take that upon themselves where 
they are actually doing yoga each day, but it might be just for that 10 minutes. And that's something that I think is a wonderful thing because, you know, you get into that. It's not just the movements. It's not just the physical kind of, uh, I guess, overt things that we think about, but actually getting into that flow, learning how to move with ease. And it's the same thing kind of when you think about it, when you're talking about prep sets for main sets, right? You want to get athletes getting into a flow, getting into a groove, getting into a rhythm. And once they do that, their main sets are going to be a lot more effective and performed a lot better. So when you do that, yoga has that rhythm. And one of the things that I didn't bring up when you first asked me the question of what can people get out of the yoga is that movement with ease. And I really relate it back to that concept of easy speed. I love a lot of the Australian swimming personalities. So going right back to, you know, a Bill Sweetnamism and talking about that 95% after 100% speed and learning how to move in a relaxed way. And I think that just getting that 10 minutes in can bring you to learn how to move with that rhythm. And once again, when you're moving with rhythm on your mat or just on dry land and then getting in the water, you've already started to set yourself up both physically and mentally to start to swim with easy speed. Yeah, that's an interesting point to bring up. A friend of mine and another coach I've had on the podcast a few times, Annie Jones, she calls it like learning to dance when you're swimming. Like it's to find that that rhythm, it's about finding your groove and, and that can take a little while. And if yoga is one of those things that can help you do that, I think it's a great tool to use because once a swimmer's got the right body position and body line they're balanced in the water and then they're you know recovering and pulling well kicking well it's really then it's just about putting it together and finding that rhythm and that tempo and timing that they can maintain and, and hold in a race and adjust if they need to so like that's really the the cream on top that's a lot of people that i tend to work with that that's the last thing that they need to to put together but that's the thing that can sometimes take the most time is really finding that race rhythm and to swim faster you've got to stay relaxed as you do it and I like that term 95% effort for 100% speed it's that dichotomy of staying relaxed but having that little bit of tension in order to apply pressure and that's it, a hard thing to do when uh, I think that's involves a bit of mastery and it takes a lot of hours in the pool to develop that sort of feel for the water and, and staying relaxed to get faster because the natural instinct is to want to tense up and fight it and really go for it but you've got to bring it back a little bit in order to go fast and be able to maintain that over the course of a longer race. Absolutely. You know, the term that I apply when we're doing yoga sessions is effortless effort and just really learning how to apply that effort with as much grace as possible, with as much ease as possible. One of the things that I actually love, I was a head coach of an age group team for about five years and the easy speed concept was something that I've always had as one of the biggest things when I coached. And when I came back and worked with this team after I finished coaching there and I worked with the same team yoga wise I actually have 
a Buddha with a lotus tattooed on my arm. And under it, it says effortless effort. And one of the kids that I coached from the age of 10 to 15, and I was then teaching him yoga at, I guess, 16 or 17, he looked at my arm and he goes, wow, that's easy speed. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, right? Just perfect. You got it. I'm going to have to uh, adopt that or or steal that one. I like that. And like I've had... copyright. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like in the past, I've had people say, oh, effortless to me. Like you can't just go easy to... uh, and swim fast and it's, that's not what it means it, it's just what you're talking about it's about being effortless being relaxed but putting in effort so it's uh, that's a really good way of putting it I, I like that so I'm going to uh, just copy you on that one so I appreciate it I don't know if I'll get a tattoo but um, <laughs> <laughs> how much would it cost me to get you to change it to, to swimming instead of effort there <laughs> to get the, with the logo as well <laughs> that'd be the first person to get a, a tattoo with it and you're not far off so maybe i'll um i don't know we'll work something out there anyway i love it i love it <laughs> so the the mental side of things you know yoga i think it i sort of see it as it's like when you go away on holidays it takes you two or three days to sort of settle into that holiday mode and switch your mind off from work and everything back home and yoga and pilates meditation feel like that's a way of kind of getting grounded and getting into the, the now so to speak just a, a bit faster and shutting off all of those those thoughts of what's happening at school or, or work so is that like just a, a bit of a process that you go through to get to that stage or you've got a routine for the swimmers that they will typically go through if it's like a 10 minute workout you know it's something that i bring up in a lot of different ways and i mean first and this is obviously directly applicable to when we're talking swimming is that focus on breath And when you draw your attention to your breath and really have that as an anchor, that's what one of the strongest ways that you can bring your mind into present state. So that's one of the first things that we always focus on. And a lot of times we'll we'll be in stillness for, you know, in whether it be in in a child's pose or laying on their back or in a mountain pose, which is just a strong standing posture at the start of a session. And we'll go through two things. And both of these things are strong anchors that can bring your mind into the moment. And as I said, the first is breath. And I like using breath at the start of a session and the end of a session that's really using the lung capacity, right? So once again, you're gaining something that's going to transfer right into the water. And that also brings in that aspect of really being able to feel that expansion through the body. And that's where that next anchor is that can bring the mind into the moment a bit more is that awareness of the body. Because if you have that focus on breath and you have that true focus on how the body feels, those are only things that are happening right now. And therefore, that has the mind focused in on the moment. Now, one of the things that I find people have, whether it be yoga, whether it be meditation, a lot of people have the thought that it's about thinking about nothing. I mean, that's like going back to that old kind of saying, don't think about a pink elephant, right? (laughs) What are you going to think about? You're thinking about the pink elephant. So if you're trying to think about nothing, you're going to be thinking. 
And I have spent some time at a Buddhist monastery, at a retreat, and in around people who have practiced mindfulness, very disciplined for many, many years. And I don't think I've ever spoken to one person who has been able to say, yeah, no, I can think of nothing. What the aspect is that you're really looking for is those thoughts that come into the mind that you don't attach your attention to them. So then, you know, if we're looking at, and this is something that I think can be a great benefit when you look on the mental end of things, is when an athlete is dealing with pre-race anxiety. And what are those thoughts of? Those thoughts are of things that usually have not happened or things that have happened in the past that they're just reliving through. And if you can allow yourself to just be present, have that focus on your body or your breath, and just let those thoughts actually come into your mind, but just notice them and don't attach your attention or your emotion to them, that takes away all the power of those thoughts that bring on that anxiety. Now, that obviously makes it sound a heck of a lot simpler than it is, but that's the focus that you're really developing when you're doing a yoga practice is that ability to really just allow yourself to not attach to things. And one of the other aspects that I love about that mental side of yoga is we all know as athletes, as coaches, that like you said, when you're looking at excelling at swimming, you're going to have to be in the pool a lot. And what happens when you're at practices? What happens when you come to races, to meets, to competitions is that, and this is needed to be able to become better, is you're constantly being critiqued. You're constantly looked at and looking at yourself in a way where you're judging good or bad, what do I need to improve, and critique is needed. But I think one of the dangers that can then come and can really be not healthy in a lot of ways is when an athlete can't get out of that mindset and they're continuing to critique themselves at almost every point. And I really think for athletes to be at their best, I think for anyone to be at their best, is that they need to give themselves a break away from that. And the yoga practice is really centered on, this is not a performance time. This is a time where you're moving through, you are getting all of these benefits, but we're not judging, you know what, that needs to be quicker. That needs whatever it is. It is looking at being able to do what you're doing without an expectation and without having a true judgment. Of course, when we're doing something, you know, you need to have a greater knee bend to get greater strength, or you need to roll a shoulder back coming into a twist to be able to gain mobility. Those things are there, but it's not looking at that in the same way as we look at when we're training and when we're in competition. So having that mental break away from that critiquing, away from that judgment, and being able to look at things in a different way, I think is so healthy and so beneficial. That's why I think swimmers or, or triathletes, they get a lot of benefit from actually coaching other athletes and even just standing yeah. on the pool deck and watching a, a swimming session. So 
like for me, I swam from when I was quite young, four or five, up until uh, I was 18. I was, you know, training eight or nine times a week. And in the thick yeah. of it, when you're training that much, you've got these big goals set and don't really get that time out outside of the pool to look at what you're doing objectively. Like it's, there's a big difference from a training session when you're in there and you're doing it compared to if you're the coach and you're watching the session happen. Like, you know, for me, I'm coaching probably more than I'm swimming at the moment, but the session seems completely different when you're on either end. And so I think, yeah, to be able to take that step back and see yourself what you're doing from that, I guess, that coach's perspective or an outsider's perspective, it gives you gives you a better idea of where those improvements can come from you might be being too hard on yourself like that i think it's just so important because you see it uh, in a very different way when you're in there absolutely and i think you know you touched on one thing right there on that being too hard on yourself i mean that's once again being hard on yourself you need to be able to excel in sport and you know by no means of of what i'm about to say do i want to take that away from that and that's why i'm stating it right now but at the same time you got to learn how to be compassionate towards yourself right I mean, if you're constantly, I mean, I know that's been one of my biggest challenges in my life. And that came from, you know, my swimming days starting at starting at eight and going through, you know, my age group career and then going through into triathlon, but then continuing to go in through coaching and just really kind of anything in my life, which I think is a great thing that we get from athletics is that ability to push, the ability to be disciplined, the ability to be hard on ourselves. But we also have to have that ability to be compassionate to ourselves so that it's not a constant beatdown. Mm. You know, we have to be able to learn to step away. I have a, f- a friend and a, a guy I used to coach who he was, if he had a bad session and he'd normally have one a week where he wasn't performing at his, v- at his very best, yeah. he'd be so hard on himself and swearing when he hit the wall if he didn't get the time that he wanted and like yeah. it's, it's just, it, it's not helpful and every session is not going to be the best session of your life. You're going to feel average, guaranteed at least once a week. You know, you're not going to hit those, the times that, that you want but it's that as long as you're on that upward progression yeah, over a long period of time, you're going to go up, you're going to go down, but it's that long term that you want to look at. So it's, I see it among a, a few people, probably I'd say 10%, 15% of the, the athletes that, yeah. uh, that I've worked with. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough one because I mean, it, it really, those athletes really push themselves and they guaranteed they're going to put the work in to do what they need to to hit their goals but at the same time they can get down on themselves very easily so it's it's a fine line that they're walking and sometimes it works and sometimes it it doesn't work quite so well for them but yeah i think if well, I, you go i was just gonna say on the, the other aspect in the person you know in the type of person you're talking about is that's when that ability to swim relaxed is gone right mm. because you're trying to force it you're try- I, I had one athlete that I coached at a varsity level when I was coaching at the University of Calgary. And this, this athlete, man, like I, there have not been many that I've seen that have been willing to work harder and push themselves. They treated every race like it was life and death. And when you treat it like that, like everything's on the line. I mean, sometimes you're going to perform well, but majority of the time, if you're constantly doing that to yourself psychologically, 
it is that beat down and you're putting so much onto yourself when it doesn't need to be and you're not swimming relaxed. And when we go back to what we were talking about earlier in the conversation, to truly be at peak performance, you need to swim relaxed. And you know, one of the things that I'm sure you do is you show athletes what a Michael Phelps looks like. You know, what a Kate Campbell looks like. She's a great, great example of someone who can swim with great power and look so exceptionally easy when she does it. Mm. And that that's not there when you think everything is on the line every time. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I see that in one of the very first drills we do at the clinics is just a basic kicking drill on your front with your arms out in front. And there's a couple of different things that we work on with that one drill. But with that, like if I like to do that drill just to get them to try and hold their line in the water and, and hold their alignment in their body position and just stay relaxed as they do it. Most people, the, we've got fins on for this drill. Most people, they're kicking really hard. They're gassed by the end of it. They're tired. And it's just about holding the right position in the line and just kicking very gently and finding that point of balance. But it's that sort of life or death or I've got to go hard to get yeah. something out of this that stops them from just relaxing and not overthinking it and stops them from settling into that that very comfortable position and and I get experience that they need to have in the water there. So yeah, it's, it's like that. The more you, the harder you try for something, sometimes the, the less yeah. you'll, you'll get it. You've got to kind of be cool about it. You know, you've got to um, not force things too much because that's when uh, they can get further away. Well, and you, and you hit on something there that, you know, I, I didn't put in in this way during the conversation and, and is the perfect point is that overthinking aspect. And when, when you look at it, and this is something, you know, when we're going through yoga sessions that, that I talk to athletes about is, you know, there's that concept of the zone and the zone is about flow and flow is about being mindful and having the mind present. And if you're overthinking, you know, that's, that's when it all goes to, goes to hell Mm. and, one of the biggest things I think anyone, but especially athletes, can get out of yoga. And you know, a great book I just read that that talks about that is is I think it's called the Mindful Athlete. And what it, it who wrote it was George Mumford, who was the meditation teacher that worked with Phil Jackson, that worked with the Bulls, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and then worked with Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal and the Lakers. And really just talking about being able to shut it off and go with flow. What's the name of that book? Uh, I believe it's The Mindful Athlete. The Mindful Athlete. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's a a good point. And just being able to to really find your groove in swimming. I've spoken about this before and people are probably going to hate me for bringing it back up. But just I can't stand (laughs) it when people are on their garments. Again, on Uh, their watch, every lap, start, stop, checking your time, checking your stroke rate, all this sort of stuff. You're overthinking things that way and you're getting the awareness that you need to improve your swimming. Like it's cannot stand swimming with a, a watch and like it's, I think, leave them by the side of the pool. It might look good on strava that's great but if you really want to get faster take your your swim watch off and and just focus on how things feel because swimming is all about feel i love it i um i'm laughing the entire time you you talked about that because when i i go over um 
a triathlon group when I was coaching at the University of Calgary. And the first thing that I tried to do was, guys, take off your damn watches. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, like let's 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 just swim. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. So, like, and because it's with, yeah. it's different than it's different than running. Like running, you might check your pace for you know if you're doing efforts, you might check your pace every k. You can have a quick look. All right, keep going. But in the water, it, I think more of a distraction than it is when you're when you're running or when you're cycling. So that it's a very sort of different sport that way. So um, anyway, enough about that. People will probably they'll start switching off if I complain about that anymore. But uh, so Jeff, thanks so much for being on the podcast. And where can people find Absolutely. more videos, find more information about yoga for swimming or you know, triathlon and running as well? Absolutely. They can come to my website, which is um, excelwithgrace.ca. You can also, it's excelwithgrace.ca com now gets you there as well and um i do have a youtube channel which is also excel with grace sports specific yoga that's got shorter sports specific uh videos on it the majority there is swimming and then there's gonna be i'm gonna be launching some online services and there'll be classes that you can drop into slash you know pay for one at a time there'll be monthly subscriptions will there be grouping of classes and archive of classes that you'll get along with some different lessons and then also some team and individual consultation or sessions and then another which they can find on the website as well another project that i'm involved with is uh with sean hutchison who uh who is a i'm not sure do you know who sean is no he used to be um a coach in the u.s he coached king aquatics and i guess um he's coached many great swimmers but one one of the most prominent was ariana kukers who, who had the world record in the 200 IM for quite a while. And he's got a, a new venture called ICOS, which is an accelerated learning system that is based off uh, neuroplasticity and neuro, neuro mirroring. So information on that is, uh, is, will be on the website as well. And I'm not going to talk more about that. It, uh, it's really interesting. I, uh, I think anyone who's into learning any type of sports skill will absolutely love it. And it's an app you can get easily. But like I said, once again, that information will be on the website, which is excelwithgrace.com. Sounds good. And once that new uh, website's live as well, I'll put the links on, on our website at effortlesswimming.com. And yeah, l- looking forward to seeing the online programs as well because, I mean, you're based in Canada. Most of the people listening to this are Australia, US, Canada, New Zealand, and Asia as well. So it's so everyone's from all over the shop. So just to, I think, get to, yeah. no, for me, having two or three or, or a few more just basic yoga workouts that are specific for swimming would be really useful because a lot of people are fairly pressed for time i I know i am myself so being able to do um, something like that at home or before training is really useful and and being able to do that from wherever they are in the world be great so i'll put those links in uh, on our website at effortlesswimming.com and uh, jeff's been good talking to you and i think we're on the same page with all of that particularly at the start talking about the benefits of yoga you hit on a few points there the the body awareness that i'd I'd never really thought about um, when it comes to yoga i was really thinking mobility flexibility but there's so much more to it than than just that so um appreciate you coming on and uh and sharing all of your knowledge yeah it's absolutely great to join you brent this was awesome
Thanks for listening to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. If you'd like us to help you become a faster, more efficient swimmer, go to www.effortlessswimming.com.